What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Hello, Bengals fans. Happy Friday for those of you listening on Friday that don't rush to your podcast machines and fire it up on Thursday night. Welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast here with my co-host, James Rapine. We are taking your questions for the weekend mailbag as we do on Thursdays, but first, Joe Burrow, as expected, this isn't news, will be the day one starter for the Cincinnati Bengals. And a lot of the beat writers I found made a pretty big deal about this in saying that Zach Taylor was emphatic, kind, but emphatic, in saying that it's going to be Joe Burrow from the start. On the other hand, you got guys like Dave Lapham today on Twitter on the Bengals.com platform with Dan Horde and Jeff Hobson saying it's going to be a rough couple weeks of the season without there being a preseason. How do those two concepts fit together, especially with guys like Bill Polian kind of saying some of the same stuff about uh, Joe Burrow and other rookies as far as how is he going to get off the ground to start? So we're going to start there with that conversation. Then we'll get into your questions ranging from, you know, Bobby Hart to what play will we like to see come into this Zach Taylor offense to Joe Mixon and, and who might be a replacement if he doesn't resign and whatever else is on the minds of you, the great listeners of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. But let's get started with this Joe Burrow preseason and Joe Burrow week one conversation. Zach Taylor made no bones about it. Paul Daner Jr. tweeted right after the press conference, a tweet translating Taylor's comments and removing his, in Paul Daner's words, very kind and considerate words regarding QB1 I think Joe Burrow is going to be great, and you better believe I'm sending him out there to prove it. you got to be out of your damn mind to think I'd do anything different. Of course, he used much nicer language than that, but was very upfront, very clear about his intentions, as you would expect for a number one pick for a team that doesn't have a starting quarterback outside of Joe Burrow. And he has that corner locker that Andy Dalton used to have. Everything points to him starting right away, and... Despite the wishes of maybe Paul Doherty and the Cincinnati Enquirer, that's for the best. It is for the best. There's no debate here, and there's no question. And people that make the argument show you know nothing about football. The way Joe Burrow's going to get better is by playing, period. He's ready to go. He's 23 freaking years old. This isn't a 19-year-old kid, right? He's ready to go. Now, can you make the argument that the circumstances could hurt his performance some during during his rookie season? Sure, absolutely. No preseason is going to hurt in a virtual offseason. And maybe a, a makeshift offensive line, which, as Brandon Thorne talked about yesterday, there's plenty of question marks up front. But overall, Joe Burrow should absolutely be under center day one. And I'm glad that Zach Taylor kind of brushed it aside and said, look, we have high expectations for him. And, and that's... That's it, because the the whole city and Bengals fans everywhere have high expectations for Joe Burrow, and that wouldn't matter regardless. If he steps on the field, he's expected to to be a good player and, and give them a boost, and I think that's where his mindset is and where the Bengals' mindset is, which is, is good to see. 
The thing that gets overlooked, if you're one of the few that thinks Joe Burrow might get too damaged behind an offensive line like this in his rookie year. Well, first off, Andy Dalton saw the same pressure rate last year behind this Bengals offensive line minus Jonah Williams as did Joe Burrow behind the quote-unquote best offensive line according to voters in college football last year at LSU. Now, I take issue with the fact that there's anyone that thought LSU had the best offensive line in college football last year. But the fact that Burrow saw the same pressure rate there as Dalton did in Cincinnati suggests that Burrow can survive. Yes, he'll probably see more pressure than Andy Dalton did because Dalton knew what he had in front of him. He was getting rid of the ball quickly and had a proclivity to get rid of the ball quickly when pressured rather than trying to extend the play or find the big play. Joe Burrow will be a little bit different in that regard. So you'll see a higher pressure rate on Joe Burrow than Andy Dalton in year one, almost assuredly. But this coaching staff knows what they're dealing with. Joe Burrow gets by on his brain. And so that should play well. The other thing to consider is if he doesn't play in year one, he's also not getting practice reps. Your QB one gets your practice reps and he needs all of the exposure to NFL football he can get to get his career off the ground. Now, on the other hand, guys like Dave Lapham say that no preseason is going to hurt all players and everyone's going to be sloppy. And Bill Polian thinks that this whole offseason with, as James talked about, the COVID stuff and the virtual offseason is going to hurt rookies. Those two things might have an impact on Joe Burrow, but that doesn't mean you change the plan for him. Hell no. He plays. Like, it's it's so crazy to me. Like, and and I know there were a, a small minority of fans that were like, Oh, well, what happens if the season gets canceled? Do they get the number one pick? And that would be great because they could. No, no, no. Season gets canceled, derails Joe Burrow. He needs every exposure. It doesn't matter. I would rather Joe Burrow be awful this year than not playing, like because at least he's going to go through it. Peyton Manning wasn't good as a rookie. All right. So regardless, I need him out there. Um, That being said, I, I do think without a preseason and it's not just the preseason, because I think in a normal year, the preseason is a very small piece. But. When you're talking about offseason, there, there hasn't been any really get together. And, you know, maybe some players have gotten together on their own, but zero um, meetings, zero OTAs, mini camps, all that. And you're just now returning to facility seven, eight months after you left. I think it, it will be sloppy early on, especially in the trenches. I think that some of these offensive linemen uh, might get beat up a little more, uh, more than, than they're seeing. And I also think that the missed tackles. That'll be another thing. And it it sounds cliche, but I I think some of these linebackers are going to struggle. And you look at the Bengals, young linebacker room, it's going to be important for them uh, to get after it a bit in training camp so they can be ready for week one. I think that's absolutely right. The one place where you can specifically expect to see things maybe go bad early is tackling. And I think that there also could be some concern around conditioning, but that's what this whole extended training camp is meant to avoid because there have been no OTAs the extended training camp schedule the removal of preseason game is not only to keep players safe from the virus it's also to help them build up that stamina get into football shape over a longer acclimation period they have this 10-day conditioning period that starts up on Monday I think after physicals on Saturday and Sunday that's all in there to help avoid injuries so there are people that are concerned about injuries without a preseason I would say that the schedule they've got could actually go the other way and prevent more injuries and you won't get injuries at least in meaningless preseason games the other thing is look at all the teams around the league 
that aren't starting starters in the preseason anymore. Haven't been doing it for the last few years. A lot of those teams still plenty successful going into the playoffs, making deep playoff runs. I think that the importance of preseason games could just be overstated at this point. That's fair. And it it might be, Uh, you know, it, it might. I also think there's a reason why Brady still wants all the reps and he still plays in preseason games. Right. And, and, and that's just one example. And I get it. So th- there, there is an importance to it. I think it would be good for let's use a veteran. I think it would be good for AJ green to go through a pregame routine and to get out there and run three routes. doesn't even mean he needs a target, but just to do it because he hasn't done it in a long time. And, and so I think it is beneficial to, to do that and knock the rust off in a, an exhibition even if it's meaningless, you know, snaps and it's a game that everyone's going to forget about getting the guys out there, even the veterans, uh, I, I still think is beneficial. That doesn't mean that A.J. Green is going to struggle week one. He better not because Joe Burrow needs him to show up and show out. Certainly some good points. I'm not saying that the preseason is entirely worthless. Tom Brady, by the way, 13 dropbacks for the Patriots in the preseason in 2019. So he did indeed take some snaps. Patrick Mahomes, 22 dropbacks. So there is apparently... A lot of value seen by the Super Bowl, I guess, dynastic Patriots and the Super Bowl victors from last year in Kansas City. That Those guys did go out there and see some preseason reps. So sure, make it one game. I, I still think that you can simulate a lot of that with scrimmage stuff. You can, you can recreate a lot of the game day experience, especially with no fans in the stadium. Your practices are going to sound just like game day. And, and that's a... Uh, a bit of a difference. That's one thing that you can recreate since there is probably not going to be a whole lot of fans in the stadium. If there will be any at all. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's, I guess the one advantage, I guess to, you know, if there aren't any fans in the stands is that is you could prepare for it in practice, but uh, yeah, it, it'll, it'll be interesting. It's certainly interesting to see. First off, I hope we have football second off. It'll see, it'll be interesting to see who struggles and who doesn't early on. Yeah, instead of the uh, the fan decibel meters, we'll see who pipes in the loudest fan noise to their speakers, like they're doing the fan noise in baseball. It's really weird. I, I, I don't think I like it, but speaking of turning the volume up, James, you ever had to replace a volume dial in your vehicle? And I haven't. Maybe you will one day, is all I'm saying. I know you're in the market for a new car. Maybe all I need is a new volume knob. If you do, you can go over to rockauto.com right now. They are selling volume knobs. This is not something that I would have thought of before, but I had a car, my, my, my 1998 sorry, Honda Accord that I drove for 15 years. CD player stopped working at one point. What if your volume knob stopped working? That would be, that would be devastating. You would definitely want to get that replaced. Yep, and it's all at rockauto.com. And it's it, it, honestly, it gives me some peace of mind while I am in the market for a car. If there are any issues with it that I need to, you know, anything I need to take care of, I can do it on my own, right? I talked about the filters I replaced in my 2015 Honda Civic. You can do that. If you're changing your own oil, any of this routine maintenance, windshield wipers, you can do it at rockauto.com. And if you're doing the heavier stuff, you know, if you're wanting to change a timing belt or you're wanting, you're looking for specific parts, a water pump or wh- whatever the case may be, rockauto.com is the place to go. You can shop online from the convenience of your own home and your PJs. You don't have to go out to any store, put on a mask or anything like that. So it's convenient. It's quick. You can save money at rockauto.com. And when you go, make sure you tell them that we sent you. So write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know 
that we sent you to rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. It's that time of the week. The weekly mailbag is here. And if you want to chime in next Thursday before we uh, get to the mailbag questions, you can at Locked on Bengals on Twitter. Jake, let's start off with Ben Grant, avid listener of the show, asks, what offensive package or play do you want to see from Coach Taylor that he either hasn't shown yet or doesn't have in his offense? The I, I don't have an answer for a specific play or a specific package because I don't think the NFL is actually that nuanced. I'm sure there are things that they haven't done that could be interesting, but I did see a lot of variety, I'd say, to the Bengals offense, and I'm sure we're going to get more of that as they try to incorporate some of those Joe Brady concepts, some of those LSU offense concepts that Joe Burrow was so familiar with. But the biggest thing is the difference between how often Cincinnati runs run pass options versus just how big of a part of the LSU offense run pass options were. Cincinnati ran run pass options, according to PFF, just 5.7% of the time, 23rd in the NFL in 2019. Joe Burrow at LSU ran them 22.4% of the time, just about four times as much. That is a number that really helped Joe Burrow at LSU. They had a ton of success out of RPOs. That's a number that can help the offensive line by causing hesitation and confusion in the defensive front, causing at least them to respect the run. Because if you, that's the very nature of the run pass option, right? You read a defender and based on what the guy does, whether it's a, a linebacker buzzing out to a flat, whether it's a defensive end staying home or crashing down, the, the, the option is, is there to read a player, take him out of the play, make a quick decision, get easy yards. That is something that I would like to see the Bengals do more of in 2020. The other thing I'd like to see the Bengals do more of is use play action. That is one element of the Los Angeles offense that we expected to see more of and we didn't see enough of. The one last thing I'll mention here, James, and I'm sorry if I've stolen your answer already, is get Joe Mixon more involved in the passing game. He is a very valuable receiver. He has not been used as such, but has all the capability in the world to make hay as a receiver. And if they can get him more involved there, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was a very effective receiver for Joe Burrow last year. That's another change I'd like to see in 2020. And that's that's the the key here, I think. I mean, Joe Mixon is your best offensive player. I He just is. That, that's it. At this stage of A.J. Green's career, Joe Mixon is. That doesn't mean he uh, should have more receptions than A.J. or anything of that nature, but four receptions a game? Yeah, I think so. I think he should be in that range. So, And, and I think that's realistic here so you're talking three three and a half catches like I, I think he should be over four four uh or 50 receptions for the year but i, I here's the key to this and i'm not going to give any specific i do agree with you on the rpos when we talk about joe burrow struggling earlier struggling as a rookie it is up to coach zach taylor and offensive coordinator brian callahan to find a way to put him in a position to succeed right we know joe has talent and we know he has talent around him we also know there's a deficiency up front on the offensive line and they know it too they might not say it publicly but damn well they know it at paul brown stadium the offensive line isn't as good as they're letting on maybe they're hopeful doesn't mean they think it's that great so they're gonna have to scheme around that and if they're as good of coaches as they you know they think they are then they'll still have some success right i watched rg3 not be able to read defenses really and the rpo stuff worked in washington that would have worked without a preseason 
right? So if, if, if Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan are the offensive minds that think about it, that we see the Kyle Shanahan's of the world, the Sean McVay's of the world, if they're on that level, then we'll see that this year, even though the offensive line is the way it is, even though Joe Burrow doesn't have a preseason, because what they'll do is they'll put him in a position to succeed. And he certainly has the talent around him from a skill player's perspective to get that done. So that's what I want to see. I want to see this coaching staff use RPOs, use mix and maximize the talent on the roster, especially to help to hide the deficiency up front on the offensive line. You'll have to see a lot of that. Absolutely. The next question we've got comes from I Ben Nicholas. If Ocho Cinco made a signature cigar line for Joey B, Joe Burrow, under his 85 brand, his cigar brand, James, what would you call it? Oh. Ho, ho, ho. Something with being always open in Ohio, right? So maybe it's 08. I don't know. I don't know exactly how you would do it. But obviously, Joe Burrow represents Athens, and he, he had his area code on him at draft night. I would tie in the Ohio connection with Ocho Cinco's always open. So I, I don't know how you do that. How would you do that? But th- that, that's my initial thought. I, I got you. I'm, I, I went and actually looked. I've never looked into Ocho Cinco cigars before. So I, Ben Nicholas, thank you for driving me to his website. And I went and looked at, he, he uses Spanish names for cigars. They're Cuban inspired. And so he has several cigars that are El Patron. And so very simply for Joe Burrow, El Patron Nueve, the boss nine. That's the number he wears. He's the boss in Cincinnati. I think it, it stays in line with the Ocho Cinco brand and it's elegant. It's simple, but I do, I do like your ideas too. If you could work in the always open and the 85, nine angle, that'd be pretty cool. Real quick though. Here's my question. And I I agree with you on, on the, the boss nine. That sounds good. Is Joe Burrow capable of making 40, I think he's 42, 42-year-old Chad Johnson a competent NFL receiver in 2020? I mean, absolutely. You, you stop aging after age 32, so Chad Johnson and A.J. Green are pretty much exactly the same player right now. Come on, Jake. I mean, Chad still trains. <laughs> he still trains. He still looks great. You see him running on the treadmill at 22 miles an hour. He's still training with Antonio Brown. He's still one of the best out of the game. I mean – Really? Come on. I don't you don't know, think man. so? You don't I... think so? Just say no. Come on. Just say no. You already think no. AJ Green's too. Come on. Yeah, no. He, Chad Johnson would be on an NFL team like the last five years if he could still play. <laughs> How do you know? He hasn't had a tryout. But, I mean, hasn't he though? I mean, he has I guess never not. Tried. He's never had a tryout for an NFL team. They haven't I guess looked at... after Miami, that was it, huh? Well, you know it. what? He... Didn't he go to like he played in the CFL? Yeah, and he and he wasn't that good. I think he was fine. I mean, the CFL is weird. It is CFL's weird. A little weird, you know. I mean, you would know better than I would about that. Oh but. man, Ben Grant right now, who who asked our previous question, who covers the Bengals, who also covers a CFL team. What team is it? I'm going to look it up right now. I think it's the Argonauts. Yeah, uh, the Argonauts. He he does a podcast. I think he's just cringing right now hearing us talk. Shit I'm not saying it's bad. Oh, I am. But it, if, if I'm a 10 year, but if I'm a 10 year NFL veteran and now I'm going to go walk onto the field of this weird field and you can have, you can I get points from kicking the, the kickoff through the, it's weird. I don't know. It's, well, can't you get a weird. point if you kick a field goal off the net? 
I don't know. What's weird What's weird is the forward motion is allowed for the offense, which is a huge benefit, by the way, for a guy like Chad Johnson. And also weird is three downs. Those are the two biggest – and, and bigger field and goalposts in the middle of the field. I guess there's a lot of things that are weird. Let's the, move yeah, the, on, The goalpost thing is weird. Yeah, we can move on. But, yeah. Just because he was bad in the CFL doesn't mean – I think he'd be great with Joe Burrow. All right. He, he, he would beat out Alex Erickson for a job tomorrow. Okay. Or Troy Brown – is it Troy Brown for a, uh, a cornerback's job? Tony Brown. Tony Brown. I think. Now you got me it's, questioning. It is Tony Brown. He, I know he played for the Packers. We have a lot more questions to get to, and we've gone long on these first two, so we'll get to the rest of them coming up next. All right, enough about Chad. Let's get to Eric. Eric is our latest question here on the mailbag. Assuming the Bengals don't resign Joe Mixon, is his replacement on the roster right now who could and should it be if he would leave? I still think this deal gets done. I'm just going to preface it with that. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like it'll get done. Maybe the Bengals have a hard time keeping some of their veterans. Maybe not. But I think this one is going to happen. We'll see. Uh, to answer the question, is is his replacement on the roster right now? I don't think so. I hope not. Uh, and who could or should it be? I, I don't know the answer to this question. But I, I don't want it to be another second round running back. Because third round at the earliest third fourth round find a guy draft some damn offensive lineman who can run block and and then get it going oh man you're not gonna like this all right so i i I agree i think a deal does get done i've said four years 40 million forever um i know dave lapham said and dan hort seem kind of open to going 11 to 12 million per over the next couple of years so um i think something gets done if the Bengals are actually willing to do that we'll see uh it was speculation on their part but let's say it doesn't get done and then go into next offseason and they decide to franchise tag William Jackson III because he's great too, right? And he has a great year. Well, then they're going to go in the draft, Jake, and you're going to cringe here. And all these Bengals fans that say, with the 10th overall pick, the Cincinnati Bengals select Travis Etienne. And yes, I figured out his name from a few weeks ago. Clemson running back. It'll be just like the Rams did with Todd Gurley. They'll go out and get Etienne. And, uh, and and they'll try to bring him in and, and think that he's the guy for Joe Burrow. There we go. I'm calling it now. I swear if I'm right on this, we are uh, we're going to bring up the, the, the audio from this when it happens in the draft in April. And we'll also bring up the audio of me saying, if you're right on this, you're fired. Because if the Bengals spend a 10th round, a 10th overall selection on a running back. <laughs> ETN. Well, you know what? ETN. Here, here's ETN. the thing. I, I love Travis ETN. And last year when we were doing our mock draft series, there before he decided he was going to go back to school for some crazy reason that in retrospect, I'm sure he wouldn't have made that decision. He yeah. he fell a couple times in the draft to like the third round. And I was like, I, I can't not draft Travis Etienne, Etienne, even with Joe Mixon on the team, because I think he's fantastic. But I'm never spending a 10th round, 10th overall picks. Maybe, maybe I spend a 10th rounder. I keep saying it. I'll spend a 10th rounder. On a running back, never E-T-N. a top ten pick. E-T-N. You're gonna cringe. It, it, you know, one of the top offensive linemen is gonna be there, and they're like, "And eh, we view him as a guard." I would quit. In the <laughs> what? I, I can't. I can't. I would quit. I can't deal with. I can't deal with decisions that are that bad. It's working out for Christian McCaffrey. It's not though. There, it's not, and it's not working out for Saquon Barkley. These are bad teams. What about? Because they have bad quarterbacks. What about Zeke? 
Oh, Dak's so great. Why can't he win with Zeke? That's one of the best offensive lines in football. Here's what you do. You draft offensive line and you find a fourth round running back and you go. That's it. What, why don't you just keep Gio? Because he's old. Wow. He just again, first AJ Green, then Chad Johnson, now Giovanni Bernard. He's old Gio's younger than you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm old. I would I wouldn't hire me to play running back. <laughs> Uh, but 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 also the rookie deal thing matters. You don't want to spend money at the position either. Maybe they should just go go sign one in this offseason. Alvin Let's, Kamara. LaShawn they loved McCoy? him in the draft. Alvin Kamara. All right. I, I like Kamara. Sure. Is it Kamara? I, I, I always get Yeah, Kamara, Kamara. Next question comes from a guy who has spelled his name out for us. We, we don't have to guess on the pronunciation. Thank you, David, for that. David Wiesenhan asks, is it an issue that Brandon Allen, I think, was the choice for quarterback depth and not Blake Bortles or a name with more success? It's just another name from Taylor's past that he could be picking because he's familiar with him. Is this a detriment to, to signing Allen over someone else? I don't think so. I think familiarity when you're talking about a, a guy like, like Brandon Allen is important. Um, that being Fourth said, string quarterback, come on. I, he could be the second string quarterback by the time the season starts. I think he's better than Ryan Finley. Sure. You know, I, I, I honestly, I think that this kind of paints the picture of Brendan Allen being second stringer, Ryan Finley being the third and Jake Delegala being on the practice squad and caring for quarterbacks just in case COVID. Um, that being said, Blake Bortles is a, a guy that one was in LA last year, which was obvious Zach Taylor's in Cincinnati. But you don't think Zach called Sean McVay, his old boss, and said, hey, how was Blake? Why, why didn't you resign him? What's, what's up with Blake? You know, should, we, should we be interested in him? He was in Sean McVay's offense. You don't think he could find a way to figure out Zach Taylor's offense? I'm sure he could. But th- there's reasons behind that, and I, I, I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, but Blake Bortles is still out there. I think there's a reason for it, and it's not just, oh, he didn't work out in Jacksonville. He's a great quarterback from a, a backup a great backup quarterback right if you could get a guy who helped the jaguars get to an afc title game for minimum and cheap money you'd do it but i, I think there's other stuff there potentially that is making teams shy away maybe attitude issues uh extracurricular activities maybe he's not dedicated to the game all stuff like that i i swear i saw a tweet this week that said blake bortles doesn't watch film I have no idea if that's true, but somebody tweeted, it'd be a weird thing for an NFL quarterback to ever be employed if he didn't watch any tape. Fun fact about Brandon Allen. It's Brandon Allen, right? That's the guy's name? Brandon Allen. Yeah. Why are you struggling with this? I don't know. Because there's Kyle Allen as well, like another shitty backup Allen, generic quarterback. I don't know. Uh, Brandon Allen. I used to cover the Indians, and there was a Logan Allen. Okay. So I'm just trying to I, – I wrote that. When I was writing the Brandon Allen story, I wrote Logan at first. I was like, oh, crap. I, I feel better now. Thank you. So it's a John, relief pitch. John Sheeran had a tweet today, and he went over to RBSDM, runningbacksdontmatter.com, where there is a whole bunch of information on EPA per play and CPOE, completion percentage over expected and, and estimated points added per play. Ryan Finley, the worst quarterback in this metric in for for any quarterback who has taken at least 100 snaps since 2017 brandon allen the fourth worst so uh we're doing good in the backup quarterback 
I actually, I, I remember pre-draft thinking that if they traded down, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually drafted a quarterback later if there was a guy that fell. If they traded down and added a couple picks. With seven, yeah. it was impossible, but yeah. obviously didn't happen. Hey, I want Ryan Finley to make the team for one more year because my dog's name is Finley, and I want to find a Bengals dog jersey for him. Your dog is a, a good boy. I go with Finn, though. You know, We call him Finn. We don't call him Finley. And certainly gotta, don't call him Ryan. You got you to gotta separate. I get it. I get it. Our next question comes from Kevin Hackett. How happy will you be if Fred Johnson beats out, and I'm going to use his words here. I'm just going to read the tweet word for word, James, our favorite idiot right tackle. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we, I mean, James has to cover this guy in the locker room. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. I don't, I'm not going to shy away. Look, he's talking about Bobby Hart. Um, Let's start here. Whoever ends up winning the damn job should win the job. Whoever's the best tackle. I, this is about Joe Burrow. So if it's Akeem Adeniji or if it's Bobby Hart or if it's Fred Johnson, that's who the Bengals should pick because they need to keep Joe Burrow upright. I think Bobby Hart has an edge. I think Fred Johnson has a shot. I think Akeem Adeniji is a extremely long shot candidate to start because he's inexperienced and has the ability to play all over the line. So that's how I view it. I'm not going to be happy, be... I guess is my point. Pick the I best guy. I would be very happy if Fred Johnson beats out Bobby Hart for the right tackle job. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. James, what's our last question? Odat says, according to reports, Billy Price's offseason has gone well, and he's 100% healthy and ready to compete. That's the case. Which guard slot does Billy Price have a more realistic chance to be a starter this season? I feel like we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago on the podcast, and I think that after talking to Brandon yesterday, it's left guard in a landslide. Xavier Suofilo at least has some specific traits that he can hang his hat on and being good in the NFL. Bobby, uh, not Bobby Hart. Sorry, Mike. Mike Jordan has some serious technique issues that really need time to work out. He plays high constantly. And I went back and I watched after talking to Brandon, the week 17 game against Cleveland, which was his best game of the season. And he's still playing high. He's letting guys get underneath him and bull him too much. He looks lost on occasion. So did Fred Johnson, by the way. I think Fred Johnson had the wrong play in his head at least a couple times early on in that game. But Fred Johnson also played pretty well, so mixed bag there. Uh, but but I think left guard. Xavier Suofilo has a lot more experience, and I think Mike Jordan just needs time. And I, I buy the argument from, from Brandon Thorne yesterday saying the Bengals fans need to be patient with him. Well, 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 look at you coming around a little bit. I feel like I was on the other side of this, not that we really debated it. Maybe, but, yeah. but yeah, like to me, it, it, Billy Price should be in the in the mix here because they're so unproven. Like, let's call it how it is. Xavier Suofilo was a bust in Houston. That's what it is. And I get it. He's he's established and he's a veteran. And he might be able to be you know, serviceable. Michael Jordan is a fourth round pick. He was young. He got some experience last year, but left a lot to be desired. Billy Price has been 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 banged up. I get it. The, the arm length is a, a concern. You, you wonder about some technique issues with him. But you should give him a shot. He's a first-round pick, even if it was with the previous staff, just to see if healthy Billy Price can be even competent. I mean, losing – that's embarrassing for him that he lost that job to Trey Hopkins last year. That's He should be embarrassed. Like, it's embarrassing. But he can redeem himself if he can win one of these starting guard jobs. 
Yeah, I think he was not very happy about it for sure. But if he ever had a chance to win a job, it's right now. He's training with Duke Manyweather, who is a renowned offensive line trainer, guru. He's healthy for really the first offseason in his NFL career. And he knows it's kind of a make or break year. And, and we'll see if he can take advantage of what should be at least a somewhat open competition for one of those guard spots. If he comes out and plays well, it will be undeniable to the coaches and he has to make it undeniable to the coaches. And, and if there's a spot for him to land, uh, yeah, I, I think we were, I think I was on the other side of this last time, but, uh, after talking to Brandon and, and thinking about it some more and, and, and looking back on Michael Jordan's season, he just, he, he, he just didn't seem ready. And, and he needs to come a long way before I trust that his last couple of games against Cleveland are who he really is. And that might be the best thing for him. He's a young guy yeah. well, sitting there and learning uh, a bit here because he hasn't really been able to develop this offseason with no OTAs, no mini camps, nothing like that in person. And then the other thing, I don't mean any disrespect to Trey Hopkins, by the way, when I say that. I'm just saying if you are a first-round pick in Billy Price and you're getting beat out by an undrafted veteran that's really just trying to find his way on that offensive line, you probably are a little embarrassed. So he should have some fire under him, and uh, we'll see. That that would be the one key to this offensive line. If all these guys could just have a chip on their shoulder and just battle each other and somehow come together and be a competent group, that would be a huge win for the Bengals. And I, and I don't think that's necessarily the most likely case at, at several of the <laughs> positions. Sure. But I agree with you that it would be a huge win. That's going to do it for this week on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Duke Tobin was scheduled to talk with the media on Friday. That's been pushed to Monday. We'll be covering that when it comes around. We'll be back on Sunday night for your Monday episode. Until then, hootay and have a good one.